let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and it's our birthday. We are four years old, mate. Happy birthday to us. Oh, happy birthday, Steve. And I can't believe we're as, as old and as mature as a four-year-old. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But no, we are uh, four years into the Opinions podcast. Uh, it has been a great ride today, and I'm sure it's just going to continue. But we are not alone tonight. We are being joined for our birthday celebrations by Stephen Carter from the Points of Brew podcast. Stephen, welcome to Opinions. No, thank you for having me, gents. It's it's a pleasure to be on, and happy birthday to you both. Thank you very Thanks much. Very uh, how are you doing, Stephen? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. I'm kind of shaking a bit of a, a boozy night last night from the from the bank holiday. As we were just saying before we recorded, I was in the in the shop today, so I woke up with a bit of a, a fuzzy head from drinking last night. But apart from that, yeah, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. I'm sure you're not the only one after the bank holiday weekend, mate. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Yeah, I reckon there were a few Monday morning hangovers uh, this morning. Well, it's the last bank holiday weekend till Christmas, so you've got to make the most of it, haven't you? Make most of it, indeed, yes. Um, well, let's blast away those cobwebs, if, if there are any still <laughs> hanging around, uh, and get into the first beer this week. So, Stephen, what have you got in your glass? Um, so this, I say this week, as if I'm on show every week. Um, so <laughs> I've, um, I'm used to doing my own podcast, you see. Um, but I've, um, I've got Fantasticum Hop Healer by Pig Love Brewing who are based in Leeds. So I was fortunate enough to get sent uh, kind of each of their last series of beers, um, which had this, um, it had a grasshopper salt sour and a, um, a stout, which I, I gave the stout away because I'm not a huge stout fan, but I thought I'd give this a whirl, which is also now in a 440ml can as opposed to a 330. Hang on. Sorry, sorry ha- yeah. 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 <laughs> How did thing. he get through the screening process? <laughs> Sorry, you're not a stout fan, and we invited you on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you did drink the grasshopper beer, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, I must admit, I, I did I say it with a small disclaimer. I said I'm not a stout lover, but bizarrely, I tried the last Barrel Age series by Vocation last week when I was with my dad and my brother, and he opened the coconut or maple stout, and I actually liked that. Um, which I, I couldn't have drunk a full can to it, I must admit, but I actually enjoyed that, to be fair. So I might be kind of ever so slowly o- opening the door to, to stouts. So. It's um, to the dark side. It's yeah, small yeah. steps to the dark side, but once mm. you open that flavour door, you're going to go bursting through it. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like a big, uh, a big stout to go for, though, to, as, a, as a gateway stout. <laughs> I mean, that was about, what, 11% or something? So, so yeah, yeah, but it's got a big off. Go big or stay home, do you know what I mean? M- so. Maybe something a little bit smaller to ease yourself mm, into, into the dark side. Um, Martin, what are we drinking? Because you, you and I are drinking the same. Yeah. Um, we have Yeasty Boys new lager called The Reflex. Uh, comes in at, I think, 4.6%. And I think it's something they've been working on for quite some time, haven't they? Yes. Yeah, I think... Um, because they sent us uh, a few cans to try. So thanks very much to, to Stuart and the team at the Yeasty Boys. And I think the information they sent across with it said they've been uh, about 25 years into the development of this from their home in New Zealand. Uh, probably goes all the way back to Stu's homebrewing days. That does. Um, it's very much German influenced. Um, and it's got a mixture of traditional noble hops and also new world hops. So let's, let's read no more of the information information in in case it influences us too much and and let's dive straight in and have a taste i reckon 
right. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Um, well, I'm getting some bready notes on the uh, on the nose. Uh, it follows through a bit of multi maltiness in the in the flavour, um, but it is nicely refreshing. I have to admit, quite cutting as well. I think if you were having this with um, some greasy meat, maybe a barbecue. I reckon it would definitely wash it, wash all the uh, the greasy notes away as well. Absolutely, I, I completely agree with what you're saying there. Um, not really too much else I can add to that because I think you've pretty much nailed it. Maybe it's got kind of some of that nice maltiness as well that you can get from certain lager styles, and I think the that the influences for this particular beer have come from the fact that the the folks at Yeasty Boys are huge fans of Dortmunder and Hells, and you can see both of those influences, both of those styles, kind of almost fighting for attention. In, in this beer? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think the influences are quite clear and um, maybe if we leave it long enough in the glass, although I'm not, I'm not sure that's going to happen, we may start to get some of that gentle hoppiness that they've also referred to as well. Yeah, because they've, that, like I think I mentioned earlier, they've used a combination of uh, noble hops in um, Halatel Blanc and also um, New World hops in Nelson Savin. Um, so it's kind of a combination of, of, of the new and the old. Uh, like I said, I am, I am genuinely enjoying it, but whether it does last long enough for those secondary notes to come through, I'm not so sure. I'm really enjoying it. It's really refreshing. So we better, we better talk to Stephen about uh, what, what his beer tastes like before ours disappears. Yeah, so, um, so this I'm actually quite enjoying it, this uh, Fantastic and Hop Healer. So it's more of a, an American style uh, IPA, I'd say. I mean, it's hopped with uh, mosaic and, and green bullet. So, I mean, you get the American sort of tasting notes from, from the mosaic hop. Um, it's sort of like a darker amber, ambery colour, um, as opposed to like a light orange or yellowy colour. Um, but yeah, but it's um, the, the guys from Pig Love put sort of funky things in their beers. And this one's got Chuchu Asi in it, which is a legendary plant from the Amazon rainforest, which whether or not you, I can actually taste it because I don't know what it tastes like itself to start with i have no idea so whether it adds anything i'm i'm not entirely sure but uh, but the beer itself i'm, I'm as, as a an ipa regardless of that ingredient i'm actually really enjoying it and, and how widely available are their beers at the moment because i know i know you had them on on your most recent podcast <laughs> yes that's right yeah are they that they're not really reaching too much further out of the local area at the moment are they no, they're not. So they they've not actually got their own brewing kit. So they are cuckoo brewing at the moment. Um, so they're cuckoo brewing at a brewery called Quirky um, in Garforth, which is also in Leeds. So they're kind of just in and around the Leeds area. Um, they were doing local Leeds deliveries during during lockdown. So they're opening a tap room, which they're hoping to have open next month, as in September, um, I believe, sort of before the end of September and hopefully have their own brewing kit eventually but they are in the process of doing the next series of beers which comprises of four beers so whether or not that kind of reaches a bit further afield into more bottle shops up and down the uk but as far as i'm aware they are fairly local to yorkshire at least it's fairly interesting that they're opening a tap room before a brewery mm. yeah yeah it's, 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 isn't it? it seems seems to be the wrong way round. yeah you'd, you'd think so wouldn't you think you'd they'd get the the brewing in before the uh well the tap room but i i, I mean they, they indicated what when they were saying to me on the on the last episode is that they seem to have the schedule in line with quirky to allow them to have their beers in sort of regular supply really but i'm um, whether or not, well, I'm guessing the sort of the cost of the tap room, if it's like a sort of a, a DIY or, or makeshift tap room sort of thing, is probably cheaper than 
the brewing kit almost. But like you say, you'd think that they'd they'd do it that way around first, wouldn't you? Well, you say that. I mean, listen to your podcast. I mean, they obviously um, are quite keen to move things along, but they're doing the. If I remember correctly, aren't they doing all the stuff themselves? So they said like learning joinery as they go along. Yeah, I suppose yeah. at least by having the tap room in, there's income. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's direct income, isn't it as well? So perhaps as part of their whole funding model, it's about okay, we need to get the money in. We've still got the cuckoo contract brewing going on, so let's have some cash flow as well and increase increase that way. So yeah, unusual, but maybe there is some sort of sense in it at the moment. See what sort of reception and direct impact and direct feedback they get through the tap room to see where they go to next. Mm. But I couldn't pronounce half the stuff you and the guys were talking about in the last podcast as well. <laughs> you know, and they, they did they did sound quite quirky, I have to admit. Yeah, um, yeah. In a good in, in a really good, fun way. The fact that they just sort of met up, spoke about it, and then suddenly they started brewing within about two or three days as well. Yeah, yeah. Well the story that you said that somebody that they know made cheese and it was a similar process. It's like how have you gone from making cheese to then brewing beer? But yeah, it's it's the really really interesting set of guys and i've actually met him in person as well before lockdown so it'll be good to get to the tap room and actually meet him again and have a good chat with him oh, excellent stuff well before i finish this yeasty boys beer in, <laughs> in, in record time we we better have a quick chat about what what we've been up to so um stephen as a guest uh we'll, we'll, we'll let you go first on this one um what we've been asking our guests recently is 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 what have been your standout beers over the last few months? Really, you, you know, the time that we've we've all been stuck at home, maybe finding new beers and that. Have there, have there been any real standouts for you during that time? Yeah, I mean, the one one that I've had most recently and notably um, that I had written down was Vocation's latest series of um, the double and the triple. Um, so I had the double IPA last night, which was just really really nice um i don't know what's in i don't know what's happened to vocation recently they just seem to have like a a massive shot in the arm almost and a bit of kick up the backside to sort of put them back into like the forefront of people's minds because obviously they're a staple in supermarkets you know on tesco morrison's that sort of thing but with the barrel age series and then the the dipper and the tip that they've brought out as well and if the tip is anything like that double um equally on par with anything that like sort of verdant cloud water day you know the sort of the more hype breweries out there that have, have done recently um for sure um and then a brewery that's local to us as well nightjar um they've gone from being sort of during lockdown they've gone from being a traditional brewery to a more craft brewery and gone from sort of cask to can but then changed the beers as well so they've not just canned their existing product lineup and then they've gone to that but uh, one that you'll, you'll particularly like i imagine is the um dive bar dream which is west coast ipa that was incredible um nice fruity hoppiness but then loads and loads of bitterness at the back end which is what what you want from west coast ipa which is why they're my sort of favorite style of drinking over a a neeper or a a juicy beer really the last one that i had was a a vault city sour um so i i really like my sours and being the summer it's kind of perfect weather for sours their cloud lemonade sour was really it's like a session sour so it was only about three or four percent but it was just like drinking old school lemonade there was no hint of alcohol to it um, just tasted like old school cloudy lemonade. You had that sort of bitterness and tartness to it. You know, when you drink it and you kind of just a bit, you know, it's sort of, it is refreshing, but it leaves your mouth a little bit dry, like sort of leaves it a bit, wanting a bit more. So, so yeah, they're the, they're the main things that I've, I'd say I've noted that I've really enjoyed recently. Thanks for that, Stephen. Uh, it's great to hear what, what have been the standout beers. Um, Martin, what about yourself? What have, you, what have you had more recently, maybe? 
Well, as of recording, I am on Bank Holiday Monday. Uh, I went to the bar, a barbecue yesterday, and uh, it was a few of the guys from Essex Bottle Share. And when I say guys, including um, our very good friend Anna as well, um, had a couple of wild beers and some of their specials. So the Wild Beer 19 Investor Blend, which was a barrel-aged Pogo beer. So their Pogo, their orange beer, um, they barrel-aged, came out at 6.3%. Really nice. You wouldn't have known it was the Pogo in the background, but it, once you read it and you understood a little bit more about it, you started to see, okay, I'm starting to get a bit more of those citrus, orangey notes in there. But, it, you know, Wild Beer have always been very good at using their barrels to, to make slightly more complex beers. And that, this was definitely one of them. And then a collaboration they did with Cascade, a beer called Overture, came in at 9.2% with a massive addition of Victorian plums had been added into the, the mix and again had been barrel aged and nowhere near its 9.2%. It was just a complex beer. It wasn't um, overly sour, maybe a little bit tart, a little bit of sweetness, um, but just two really good beers. And uh, we can only thank, uh, I think it was Simon, who we know through Bottle Share, who brought them both along and they were just really refreshing, really nice to have those kind of complex beers, which are made so well by people like Wild Beer, uh, again, similar to Yonder and Burning Sky. You know, we can definitely mix it with the best of them when we want to in those kind of beers. So, yeah, that, 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 that's my two standouts recently. What, what about yourself, Steve? Nothing really to note. No, nobody wants to sit and listen to me extolling the virtues of Rhiney, Halcyon and Oregon Trail. Anyway. Again. Again, <laughs> more than I already have done. So let's let's just move on. I've I've got nothing else to talk about. Really, it's as it's as simple as that. And I've also finished my yeasty boys beer. So I, I need to move on because I need to give some final tasting notes on it and get a new beer in the glass, mate. It has almost evaporated uh, from my glass uh, in a three thirty mil can. I'm I'm gonna put my neck out and, and say this would have been the perfect summer quencher had it been released two months ago maybe i think i think the only thing is is that that maybe yeasty boys have just released this a little bit late uh possibly i mean obviously there's you know they've uh, only started working recently with um, our very good friends as well utopian so maybe it took a little while longer than they they may have anticipated but i think you're right this had been even as as early as may if you think about the initial few months of the lockdown period where we had a really glorious, pretty much unbroken spell of just a nice summer weather, a few of these, Steve, with, with or without a barbecue would have been not, wouldn't have taken too long to smash, would they? Absolutely not. And at 4.6%, it's, it's perfectly sessionable as well. Yeah, and you can imagine picking up a six-pack of these. Easily, yeah. A six-pack of these, they're gone in an hour and a half easily, in my opinion. So you're no, not, well, well done. You're not hanging around there, are you? Six beers in an hour and a half. <laughs> Steve, you just finished this in the first 10 minutes of the show. That's, that's very true. That's very, very true. <laughs> um, Stephen, are you far enough through your beer to give us any, any more thoughts on, on, on it? Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I've not got much left of it, in all honesty. Uh, but, I mean, uh, whether it's the... I mean, it does say on the back of the, the, the can that I might actually be tasting the Chuchuas because it says you might get a sort of a, a woody aftertaste to it. And I've kind of... I kind of get that a little bit almost it's like a bit of dryness to it sort of like a, almost a, a woody aftertaste so whether that's 
that's that, which it says it is on the on the tin, so to speak. So I think as it's kind of warming, I think that's going to start coming to the front as opposed to the the fruitiness or the the hoppiness. So it might be something that if you leave it to more get to room temperature, it comes through a bit stronger. But still enjoying it. Oh yeah, yeah, really enjoying it. It's, I think it's like I said, I think regardless of that, the, the chuchuasi, I think it's a, a great a great IPA, and it's six point five percent. So it's not it's a bit sort of on the the higher end of the sort of the standard IPA scale, but it's easily drinkable, really easy to drink. So yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Not not on a bank holiday, it's fine. Oh yeah, it's it's yeah, just remember six of them six of them in an hour and a half, and you you're alright. <laughs> yeah, you'll definitely be alright. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and an extra kudos there, Stephen, for constantly being able to repeat that word perfectly <laughs> theme every time. Um, well done on that one. Yeah, I feel like I had to rehearse it before I uh, <laughs> recorded my show with them because it's like I just end up sounding stupid all the way through. Chewbacca, you know, it's yeah. So it, several yeah. attempts at saying it, I think, have paid off. You don't want to sound, you don't want to sound like me and Steve. <laughs> which, which is which is the perfect segue into our next beer. This is from Neptune Brewery, and it is pronounced Caribdis. As far as I'm aware, uh, this is a Citra IPA, seven percent, and it's one of a few beers that that Julian Les from Neptune sent down to us to try. And I've got to say, I'm really looking forward to this one, mate. Why is that, Steve? What, what, what words and letters want you to be so excited about this beer? Well, it'll be, it'll be Citra and IPA, and the fact that when you have a look at it on Untapped, it also describes it as an American IPA as well. So. Um, I'm, I'm quite excited to, to give this one a try. Stephen, what's uh, adorning your glass for your second beer? So I've gone for my favourite and reliable brewery, Verdant, um, which, as anyone who's listened to the podcast will know, that me and my other half are meant to get married in Cornwall in April, which has now been moved to October. Um, so I've already got sort of an association with Cornwall, which having a, such a good brewery that put good beers out there, as Verdant do, it's kind of handy and it ties in nicely with an excuse to go to Falmouth um, to see him there. But um, they've also got the seafood bar down there, which I know loves seafood. So I thought I'd go for a Verdant beer, which is 20 Watt Moon, uh, which is a 6.5% IPA, hopped with Citra and Strata on the hot side and then Citra and Strata again on the cold side. So yeah, so it looks every bit of a Verdant beer as you expect, a nice thick yellowy murky hazy beer so i'm excited for that one excellent i'm quite interested to hear your thoughts on the strata because that's a hop that i keep hearing a lot about but i don't think i've actually tried yet but i suspect it's in the same column for me as our friend sabro mm. I, I, knowingly i haven't had much strata hop but sort of conversely to to yourself i, I actually enjoy the sabro hop which is bizarre because generally speaking i don't like coconut in food or does that but when i get it in that hop i actually quite enjoy it because it's quite mild i mean it's obviously subject to opinion but i find it quite a mild not overpowering flavor but i know it's obviously subject to individual taste but i actually like sabro which it's the, the new marmite hop almost in it so definitely the new marmite i'm the opposite of you i like coconut and food so mm. if i'm making a like a thai green curry or thai red curry i will always add coconut in some shape or form mm. just to give it that lovely uh, aromatic flavor but when you get it near a beer whether that be i think you mentioned earlier your your gateway stout of coconut and maple <laughs> um 
I would have been put off by the coconut element of that in the first place. Mm. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely be interested to hear what you say about the strata. But um, Steve, we've had the beer in the glass for at least a couple of seconds. I know. Can we dive in? Because I'm yeah, just getting please. the aromas off of it and I really want to try this. Cheers. 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 I'm going to let you go first, Steve. That's hitting every spot and ticking every box that I need it to. Um, it has got a big, juicy aroma to it. A, a very tropical fruit forward aroma. On the flavour, it's full-bodied. Um, it's uh, it's a big beer. You can feel that. I mean, it's only 7%, but mouth-wise, body-wise, it, it, it fills your mouth. Um, full of lovely citrus, pithy orange notes. And, and actually a very, very well-balanced, not overpowering bitter finish, but uh, a very easy bitter finish on it that, that really belies that 7% ABV tag. Oh, agreed. I think the only other thing I'd add to that is that there's just a really lo lovely earthy quality to it as well, um, which again puts me in mind of it, it would. I think it would play quite well on cask. Um, I'm not sure how much you'd sell of it at seven percent, so maybe you might have to dial in the ABV a bit. But that earthy quality definitely puts me in mind of it being a a British IPA using that that big American hop as well. Well, this is it is single hop citra, so so that's the only hop they've used in it. Uh, the beer was originally brewed as a collaboration with the Liverpool Beer Collective um, to uh, help promote and celebrate local breweries in the Merseyside beer scene. So great that Neptune are doing some work locally with with, with other breweries to promote um, good beer from that area. And I, for one, am very much looking forward to to finishing this beer. It's a lovely looking can as well, isn't it? It is. Their designs are very, very simple, but very, yeah. very striking. And definitely play on that uh, C theme as well, don't they? Yes, yes. This, this one, in, in case anyone is interested, uh, Charybdis uh, was a sea nymph and the daughter of Poseidon, who was transformed into a sea monster after displeasing him. She created whirl whirlpools to bring an end to all who crossed her path. This beer is a whirlpool of ju juicy citrus and tropical fruit flavours. I think they've spun that quite nicely on the back. I think, there, they've, spun they? that, I think they've spun that very nicely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what's your beer like, Stephen? Interesting. So Ooh. it's you kind of get you get citra on the nose straight away. As soon as I I opened that, I could I I smelt it straight away. Which citra is is one of my oh, probably my favourite hop. Um, just for obvious reasons from the flavour it gives us what you're alluding to in in your beer. Um, the first mouthful was almost like. A sweaty, oniony, weedy flavour to it, which it, I've look, looking at the the, the flavour profile for the Strata Hop, it kind of it's supposed to give it sort of like that pininess, that dankness, and also sort of like a, a cannabis or weedy flavour to it, which is I, I don't mind it actually. I'm actually enjoying it, and the second mouthful, it kind of I think it was the the hit of the first mouthful that kind of made it stand out, but then the second and third mouthful that I've had it's kind of subsided a little bit but and the citrus kind of coming a bit more to the the forefront almost. Steve what's that Lagunitas beer that's very weedy the, the one that they release every so often there's one that's very similar in description to what Stephen's just said. Uh, the Waldos yeah it's, it's their annual triple IPA release. Comes in at what 
11, between 10 and 12 percent, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way you've described it, so maybe that strata hop isn't um, a Sabro, uh, Sirachi love child. Um, it feels more, like you say, that more more from that the the, the cannabis side of the hop family, but the, by yeah. the way you described it anyway, more of the dankness, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like I say, you definitely get that sort of sweatiness to it. You know, when some people say it's like drinking like a, an old gym bag or something like that, or smells like an old gym bag. It, it definitely had that when I first had the first mouthful, which I'm glad that it's not there continuously because I must admit it, it can get quite off-putting because you, you don't want to drink something that tastes like that. No, um, it's, it's like some dark beers when often described as maybe... Um... In the old days when you used to have cigarettes left in um, pubs mm. in the ashtrays and maybe a bit of liquid got in there and you could have that almost a, ro- a wet tobacco aroma, mm. which you may initially get on a, on certain dark beers, but you don't want it all the way through to the final drop either. So I can understand your reticence at that. Mm. So, yeah, so I'll be interested to see how it kind of settles as it gets a little bit warmer to see if it which sort of profile it leans towards as it kind of settles in a little bit. Okay, I think we should probably find out a bit more about Stephen because I'm not sure our beers are going to last what well, till they get warmer, Steve. <laughs> I'd, I'd agree. So yeah, why 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 your beers warming up, Stephen? Tell us tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. So obviously you've got you've got the podcast Points of Brew, um, mm-hmm. but what what came before that, and what what has come since that? Um, so I mean, in terms of my own personal journey, when when I explain it to people, it's a sort of a, a very very bizarre start to the tale. Is that I didn't used to drink anything at all um, until I started drinking craft beer. Um, I didn't drink, cause you know, like sort of your big names, sort of Budweiser, Cause, Carlin, anything like that. I didn't drink cider, gin, anything. I was completely teetotal just because I didn't really like anything, to be honest. So I'd gone through my teen years of obviously drinking things, and I got bored up because I didn't like it because it didn't have any taste to it whatsoever. So I just stopped drinking almost. So, and then my gateway was in one of my previous jobs i won um, a dog pack by brew dog so there was a christmas raffle um and i won a box of that which i think had like punk in it um dead pony and 5am saint and i was initially just going to give it to my brother and my dad or one of the two as a christmas present because they they'd been drinking these sort of beers at, at that time and i'd seen them and i was like they might enjoy it give it to one of them cheap present um but then I just looked at it and thought, no, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll try them. And then I actually liked them, um, which I think there's a lot of people that's the same story of Brewdog was their, their gateway into how they got into drinking craft beer. Um, then it kind of snowballed from there. Then obviously I got into drinking things like Magic Rock and Thornbridge, et cetera, et cetera, and got sort of onto bigger breweries, more well-known breweries, and it just kind of gradually progressed from there much to, to Anna's dismay really because I was I was Des everywhere I went she'd have a drink and I'd drive so it's so <laughs> me me starting to me starting to drink was obviously a bit of a, a shame for her because then we had to split the duties and then it was just while we're on holiday it was actually while we're on holiday in, in Cornwall one year I was just like I'm bored I want to do something because I'd, I'd written sort of I've done games reviews videos podcasts in the past before and I'd kind of I was winding that up almost a little bit. I was like, well, I like writing. I like talking about things and doing videos and et cetera. So what, what shall I do? And then it was like, well, I could, could just set a blog doing craft beer. And then it just kind of progressed from me just documenting the start of my journey as a, a blog online almost, then started the Twitter page. And it was only last year, March time, I started my Instagram because Instagram was completely alien to me back then. And then 
my focus has pretty much shifted to to Instagram more than Twitter, and I've, I kind of try and split myself between the two, and then it's just gone from there. And it was lockdown that made me do the podcast because I was again bored um, because I, I, well, I was working from home at the time. Um, finished work, nothing to do, couldn't go anywhere, sat at home, bored, twiddling my thumbs. So then I thought, well, it'd be good to talk to people and meet people, sort of virtually, and do try a podcast. It's something I thought about before. And it just went from there because I I just like talking to people like we are now about beer and drinking good beer and getting to know people really because the one thing I'd say about this this whole craft beer community scene regardless of what sort of platform that you use is ninety nine percent of people are very friendly very welcoming I could like you guys like we are now I could meet up with you in a pub and happily sink a few pints with you even though we've never met in person before and there's quite a lot of people out there that's that's exactly the same so it's that community in essence that's almost fueled fueled the journey because I've met so many good people that otherwise I, I wouldn't have met and you guys are probably the same when you do sort of your, um, your Christmas crawl that you end up just meeting such a variety of nice people it's it's a shame that obviously we can't do it now but the community is still there despite not meeting in person. I oh, couldn't, couldn't agree more with you on near enough pretty much everything you've said there. I mean, the, the people you get to meet, and obviously at the moment it's a lot of it is virtual, but even when Steve and I have met people just literally fire engagement with the show via Twitter, you've, you've already got a sense, you've already got to know them, so to speak, mm. and when you actually get to meet them face to face, it just enhances that, that aspect of what becomes generally for a lot of people a friendship as well. So yeah. I definitely understand where you're coming from. What's your, to give uh, our listeners who may not have found you yet, what's your MO for your podcast? Um, as, in, as in the reason I do it? or, or, the, the, or just, What's the format? No, the format. So I mean, in terms of the format, it's just, I, I, try, I, I didn't really know how it was going to be received because I, I'd obviously I'm just a blogger at the end of the day in terms of, I didn't know if brewers had come on. I didn't know if they'd be interested because they'll probably get inundated with requests for free stuff, send us samples, do a podcast, blah, blah, blah. Because obviously you guys have been going for, you guys together two, four years, but the show longer, obviously you're sort of more established so you get more interest for a bigger audience or somebody starting out. So I was kind of like, well, even if I don't, I can do it with a couple of people, just get people on and just have a chat and get to know them really for me because some of them, the people that have been on there, I've not even met in person and it's good to put a name and a voice to people online because like you say you can you get to know people from online from twitter messaging whatever but it's nice to put a voice to a name and then in some instances a face to a name if you do like a video one like like we are now on on zoom um you know it's that that's then then it's just me a case of asking a few questions so just having a chat about beers that we've drunk as as we are um where we've been what we think about certain topics subjects news obviously like with you guys with with your opinions it's just a case of if something's popped up in the news for example what are your thoughts what do you think and then the brewers is just a sort of more of a a deep dive of the the history of the brewery how they got into brewing what they've got coming up etc etc and obviously the the elephant in the room is the main question at the moment for any brewer is how have you coped what have you done differently you know how's it affected the business, you know, going from cask or keg to cans, bottles, etc. So it's, it's different. Like I try and keep the format roughly the same for if it's a, a person as opposed to a, a brewer or a brewery. So then you kind of get into that, like you guys, you get into the sort of the familiar format almost of, we'll have this bit, then that bit, and then that bit. So it's, I try and do not do it different, but try and think of things that 
for breweries in particular that might not have been asked before or something that you can't just go find on their their website do you know what i mean because it's like a history of a you know brewery or something else as well to make it just a case of it's not just a a bit of a corporate spiel really i think you did quite well uh, referencing the the, the the couple of guys from venezuela i mean some of the conversations you were having with them i don't think those stories would have come out on their website or in general anyway mm. so yeah i think you, you have a very easy uh i don't want to call it quite an interview style but getting the people get li- literally asking a couple of questions or a question letting them literally just talk yeah 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 and that, and that's the thing is that be- before i record it any time because it's for me it was in the past like i said i've done podcasts outside of craft beer before with with gaming and things so i kind of had a bit of confidence almost in speaking or presenting you know and that sort of thing but the thing that i say is that it's it's not an interview it is relaxed it's informal and that's what i want it i want it to be a chat not an interview do you know what i mean because it, it just making them feel comfortable and also it being comfortable to listen to and not forced because the the thing that i haven't had that i still dread that monday may happen is that i get somebody on and it's i have to it's like trying to draw blood from a stone is that you know tell us a bit about the room and they go yeah we're a brewery we opened in da, 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 and that's it and then it's like silence it's like yeah this is really hard work because I, I try and in for about an hour ish for the for the show but then the last thing i want is to obviously have a recording that lasts 20 minutes and it's just such painful listening that it's just not even worth putting out there at the end of the day because it's a waste of my time their time and at the end of the day i'm not doing them a, a service because at the end of the day i'm trying to showcase them because you know as much as i'm a guest on your show now and you're shifting the focus to me i try and do that with them because i don't want to hog the limelight because people aren't listening for me they're listening for them so that's what i try and do is shift the emphasis to them as opposed to to myself almost i think i think the one for me where that really came across was one of your early shows that you did with horseforth brewery Mm -hmm. um you obviously know mark quite well yeah um and that that very much came across in that show but that that was an that was a great platform for for him to really talk about his brewery, but mm. to also get to that level of personal friendship that you obviously have that, that because you've actually you actually brewed a beer with him, didn't you, for your your, your wedding, which was unfortunately mm. postponed. Yeah, yeah, and well, that's it. So we, I mean, I've, apart from that, the funny thing is, I've, I I know him, and I've probably only met with him at that point in time a couple of times because I got to know him through my brother because they used to work together um but yeah you're right in what you're saying um we brewed a west coast IPA for the wedding um which was biased obviously because I had a hand in brewing it but absolutely stunning beer and Mark agreed that it was probably better than his own west coast IPAs that he had in so he actually said he he was asking whether I would mind if he actually re-brewed it under his own skin I was like no because it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a belting beer and if i can buy it as well then you know fantastic so um but yeah but again that's one of the reasons why i do it is because i want to focus on those sort of stories for for mark from horse and you know the guys from pig love and the smaller breweries and from padstow and had them on and things like that is that i want to highlight the smaller breweries out there as much as anything you know it's easy to target the the big breweries in north day cloudwater verdant etc etc but they've been on many different sort of platforms before of their own podcasts other podcasts whatever it may be so it's nice to focus on them and like you say to get that sort of relationship either pre-existing from like me and Matt did or during the show that it's almost just like two mates having a chat and just somebody just plonked a microphone there secretly and recorded it rather than just making a conscious effort to have a good chat on record really 
And those, those are the best discussions to listen to as, as well, where you almost feel mm. like you've sat in a pub on a table next to people, two people mm-hmm. having a really interesting discussion. And all the time you're just like, I want to get involved. I want to get involved <laughs> in that discussion. And that's, that's what that one was, was like for me, because I think, I think Mark was being completely honest about his approach to, to, to brewing the styles of beer that he likes. Mm, and yeah. the, the thing that really stood out for me was he was very clear in terms of he knows what he wants to do and he's not going to chase trends either. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and that's it. And obviously, he, he, he like you say, he was very open, very honest. He's, he's not a big brewery by any stretch of the imagination. He is going to be canning very shortly, um, so he is kind of going down that route. But he's not doing the hoppy, juicy, strong hop forward beers in terms of that is like he, sa- he says, he's flavor forward, not hop forward. So currently bottling, but going to can. But like I say, he doesn't need to do what everybody else is doing almost because it's there's no point you know that the market is almost saturated with that sort of stuff so him doing that in a different way and having a different approach and then he's got his own sort of like white label series now of just sort of experimental stuff on his smaller kit it allows him to do that but like I say because he is the owner brewer everything you get an insight into how the full operation works as opposed to if you get a brewer on, they can talk about the brewery or if it's somebody just from marketing, they can talk about the brewery, but not the brewing process, etc. So he can give an insight into absolutely everything in detail, which he was very open and honest about, which was, was really, really good. And, and what are your plans for the future of, of the podcast? I think you've done 17 episodes to, to date. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously intend to keep going with it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, um, I did it more during lockdown because I had more time um because we i had nothing else better to do so it's literally a, when i was working for that in that current job is i'd close a laptop and literally i was on my sofa and could go straight away um i want to keep it running 100 percent um probably not as a as regular as i did because it was every week to start with but that was more of a proof of concept more than anything then went to bi-weekly but now i'm probably going to maybe do it sort of every three weeks or even every month because i, I do want to keep doing it but i don't want to burn myself out because as easy it is as, as you guys know, just pulling up a microphone and chatting about beer, it can get a bit monotonous almost. You know, you don't want to kind of wear it out because the last thing you want to do is fall out of love with what you do. Um, so I do want to keep it going. Um, whether it and, and ideally out of lockdown, I want to do sort of like face-to-face things, like video ones. You know, I can actually go to the brewery, meet the person I'm speaking to, do a video version of it. That'd be that'd be fantastic. Which, fingers crossed, touch wood, I can do that eventually. But yeah, I, I just want to want to keep going with it and just just meeting good people like yourselves we'll make sure there are links in the show notes to the, the podcast so any of our listeners that have not yet checked it out can can jump on over and and have a listen while we're continuing to drink our beer because mine once again is evaporating very very quickly it's not my uh, glass bearing it's mine it was a 440 let's let's rattle through this week's news uh first up on the news fucking <laughs> camera <laughs> fuck's sake camera what is going on what were they thinking that's that's all i'm gonna say so i'm going to put it out there that maybe you're talking about their camera virtual festival glass for their online gbbf oh mostly yes but also... Oh, we'll get to that bit. Okay. Get to that bit. Okay. So, right. firstly, okay. so, so yes, firstly, that's the, that's the trigger here. The, the, the glass is, is the trigger here. So we saw this glass appear online over the weekend uh, celebrating the uh, virtual Great British Beer Festival uh, coming up 
whenever it is in September. I don't fucking care. I really don't. Um, the glass simply says on it, the virtual Great British Beer, Beer Festival, but then it's covered in the coronavirus virus. Yeah, like the, 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 the spore they always show on the news, whatever your news media outlet is, that little spore, the circle with bits sticking out of it, is dotted all over the glass, almost like it was the old magic rock clowns. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, what were they thinking? <laughs> um, this is, I'm sorry, but I, 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 this needs to be said. This is a global fucking pandemic that has taken over 800,000 lives. And camera decide to celebrate that by putting the virus on their festival beer glass. Before I say anything else, um, we do have a guest. Um, Stephen, <laughs> do you have any thoughts? And if you don't, you can feel free to say you haven't. But I'm guessing you've seen the pictures as well. So what were your initial thoughts when you saw it? Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's been doing the rounds on pretty much every in the social media channel, <laughs> Facebook forum, thread, everything on it. And it's, it's, it's obviously, it's, it's, it's just done in very poor taste. And I, I can kind of see what they were trying to do, but they've just, it's a complete misfire. And negating the fact that it's a global pandemic, it's taken so many people's lives. It's more a fact that they're celebrating the fact that this has had a massive detrimental impact on the industry that they're trying to celebrate as well. So it's like the breweries that you're supposed to support in air quotation marks, they've, you know, the camera's obviously like Relay, which is cask beer. People haven't been able to brew cask beer because of this global pandemic. So it's like a massive middle finger to those breweries that have been out of work, potentially going under, been panicking that if they can actually survive during this whole pandemic to, you know, it's just, whatever is going on in their PR department or the sort of sort of senior management or representation, whatever, it just seems they've just been either doing it whilst they've been on something drunk, whatever. They've just, it's a complete misfire. If, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think uh, there was an intention, but they've badly got it. They've so badly got it wrong. It's, but as badly misjudged as the actual glass was, the fucking apology. Uh, uh, <laughs> the non-apology. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't even say they were sorry for doing it. They, 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 the, the, the first couple of words were half an apology, and then the next two paragraphs were some bullshit justifying the decision to actually make the fucking thing. They should have, uh, what they should have done was filmed it in a garden area near Downing Street... Uh, in front of a little table, and then it would have felt quite natural. It was, it was a political type of apology where you don't actually say sorry. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, it's awful. It is, I mean, if I had ordered that and that came through, I would have been so annoyed about that glass. I've only seen pictures and I'm annoyed about the glass. Well, as, as, as Stephen said, it's, it's, it's incredibly bad taste and it's, it's, it's an incredible misfire. As, as, as well by camera, because I, I've certainly seen um, from the accounts that I follow on my Twitter feed, a lot of people saying, no, that's a step too far. I've cancelled my membership. 
uh, over it. And I, I think I think there would be a percentage of people that simply don't care. They, they think it's just a glass. But some of the other comments I've seen are people saying, of, of all of the things you could have chosen to celebrate, you could have chosen to celebrate the NHS. You could have chosen to celebrate everybody coming together to get through this period. But instead you chose the one symbol that essentially fucked us all for the last six months. Yeah. No. Not, not being funny, uh, I, don't, I don't need a reminder of 2020. I'm not going to forget <laughs> in a hurry about what caused 2020 to be shut to a, a fuck up this year. I don't need it on a glass, which I'm going to use potentially regularly. Because it was actually quite, you know, it's an unusual type of glass for camera to issue as well. You know, uh, it was uh, not a very traditional glass. I thought, okay, they've done a non-traditional glass. Oh, fuck, they put the coronavirus on there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the best thing they could do right now would, would be to get in touch with James Watt and ask him if he's still got that tank that Brewdog used <laughs> parading down the streets of London and see if he can come drive it over their entire stock of those fucking things and have something else in, in place of it because that is, is, is a massive... It's a massive balls up. Yeah, I mean, so nothing else. They, they can't expect... Because they're doing online tastings, aren't they? So they can't... Surely they're not expecting some of the uh, camera stalwarts such as Roger Potts to be using that glass when he does his tasting of a few beers? Oh, I would hope not. And, and I, would, I would hope those people leading the tastings have got more professionalism I think they than, just, than they, to use that fucking glass. Yeah, they just have to go, no, and go, no. You want me to do it? Fine, but it's not with that glass. Yeah. Anyway, we'll squig it from the bowl. You know what? We've given that enough fucking airtime. Um, camera, don't know what you were thinking when you signed off on that glass. And I don't know what you were thinking when you signed off on that non-apology, but sort your shit out because that is, is terrible. That's, that's one of the worst things I've seen online this year. It, it, it really is. And, and that's saying something. Yeah. And, and that's, that's all I'm going to say about it. So moving on to Brewdog. <laughs> Seamless segue. Um, we spoke last week about uh, how this thing had gone on online oh, with, with the, them and the Aldi, Aldi IPA. With, with them and Aldi. Uh, brilliantly, it appears they've now struck a deal. James Watt tweeted in the last week that Aldi have confirmed that their fake Aldi beer is now going to be sold in all the Aldi stores in the UK. Uh, and for every case they sell, both Brewdog and Aldi will plant one extra tree in the new Brewdog forest. You know what? After that shitstorm that Camera just did at the beginning of the news, this is one of the best things I've heard ever come out of Brewdog. I quite like the fact that it could have gone horribly wrong in that conversation online. And somehow it didn't. And they've ended up striking a deal. And um, all I would say is fuck Tesco for trying to get on the back of it as well. Yeah, I, th I think that's gone now. I think I think the Tesco trying to get involved in it is gone. I think it's going to be exclusive in Audi. But the fact that, that both companies have committed to essentially what I would say is, is kick-starting this forest that, that, that Brewdog are looking at planting, you know, a round of applause for that because that, that they've done a great thing there. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm impressed. It was, it, was a, it was a nice counterbalance before the camera shitstorm. Yeah, and there was um there was another post from James today that said basically the beer is going to be a rebrew of Hop Fiction. 
I'm not, not sure I've had that before from Brewdog. A slightly tweaked recipe. Of, was it of, one of, of, I think that existing. was one of their um, fanzine beers. Okay. So, so, you know, they're using an existing recipe. So, you, you know, I, I for one... Yes, yeah, so it's, it's not just a punk. It's not a punk rebrew. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that appearing in, in, in Audi and I'll, I'll certainly be giving it a try when, when it does. Also in the news this week, uh, again, something that we spoke about before was uh, the Brew London Summer Sessions Festival that was due to run this bank holiday weekend. was cancelled, wasn't it? Yes. So as of recording, would have been the last couple of sessions. Um, it has been, has been cancelled. I think it was cancelled four or five days before it was due to take place. It was actually quite hard to find... Uh, too much about it being cancelled. I mean, the Twitter page didn't say lots. Um, the actual uh, link through to the website where you buy the tickets didn't say a great deal. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm going to put it out. I just assume they didn't sell that many tickets, to be honest. I, that's what I would say. I, I think, um, uh, let's, let's put aside that it's not been the greatest of bank holiday weekends weather-wise, but it's not been terrible either. So they probably could have got away with it still running. But I, I think simply they haven't had the take-up that they were expecting. Yeah. Um, apparently, it's the Bristol Craft Beer Festival due for two weeks. Still, I think that's still advertisers going ahead, isn't it? I think so, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what happens, bearing in mind that someone said they need the council to cancel it before they can claim on the insurance. So we'll have to wait and see about that one. But Maybe they're running that one to the wire, yeah. And see what happens, yeah. Maybe they're just going to say, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, you have to tell us, we can't do it. Yeah. A bit like um, when a football match gets called off because the police have safety concerns. Mm -hmm. Maybe a similar sort of thing. And with that, I've almost finished my beer again. Um... It is a very, very tasty drop. The Caribdis from Neptune 7% Citra IPA. Um, it is getting a little bit thick towards the end, full-bodied, uh, lots of flavour going on in there, lots of tropical notes coming through. Um, still some of that orange pithiness for me. Martin, how's, how's yours going down? Gone. Um, <laughs> done. <laughs> Six, six in 90 minutes. Yeah, what took you so long? Um, now, I, I, I have nothing really to add. Like I said, I, I would like to have a, maybe a slightly, you were right about that full body start to come in as it warms up a little bit in the glass. Um, would have been, I think, maybe a, I don't know, 5.5% version on cask with that same flavour profile with those earthy notes coming through, I think would be absolutely superb. So, yeah, really, really nice beer. And thank you ever so much, Neptune, for sending it over. Stephen, how's the verdant gone down? Yeah, so as it's kind of settled in and sort of warmed up a little bit, that's that sort of sweatiness has has dissipated a little bit, and the, the citrus almost started coming to coming to the fore, which is which is nice. Because as I said earlier, I don't think I'd want to drink a full beer that was just sweaty, danky weediness. So I've I've actually overall I've really enjoyed it. I've actually quite enjoyed it to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, so I've I've literally got a mouthful left of it now, but. Um, but I would say as a as a, a cautionary word of warning, if if they don't sound like things that you want to drink, then I'd say the strata hop is probably not necessarily going to be up your street. So potentially it could be a bit of a struggle initially. It's, you think it's quite powerful to start off with then? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it was weird because the, the first thing I got was Citra when I opened the can, but then like I said, that was like a like an almost a kick in the teeth almost. Like I said, it was like sweaty, oniony weedy sort of cocktail which 
I was dubious about, but as I've gone through it, I've actually I've warmed to it. So it's yeah, so, yeah, so, like a almost like a pina colada hoppy cocktail going on in my head there. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's weird, and, and I've had a couple of beers that have like that. But like I say, it's the, the citra now is is coming through over the strata. But it's it might it might not be an easy drink to start with. But I've I've enjoyed it overall as I'm as I'm coming to the end of it. So not a gateway to verdant then, perhaps. I'd say not. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'd say there's there's better verdant beers as that are gateway beers for them. Well, it wouldn't be a Hopinions celebration anniversary birthday i don't know any show to to have an excuse to crack out a special beer would it mate not at all and we have got what we believe to be a very special beer. it's definitely a historical brew anyway it, it is and this is a beer that was uh previously drunk by a former guest drinker on on a show um so when johnny tyson joined us um he was drinking the obadiah poundage this is a 19th century London porter. It's a collaboration between Goose Island and Wimbledon Brewery with input from beer historian Ron Patterson. So I'm very much looking forward to, to giving this one a try. It looks wonderful in the glass. Um, and while that settles and while you're pouring, Steve, what have you got, Stephen, for your last beer? So I thought I'd go topical, given you mentioned them in the news segment. I've actually opened Double Punk by Brewdog. So I, I still like a Brewdog beer every now and again. Um, I'm not averse to drinking them or going into their bars. So I thought I'd, I'd open it and give it a whirl after seeing so much about it or on Instagram and people losing their minds about Brewdog as they, as they usually do. <laughs> well, let, without further ado then, everyone, cheers. 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 That's a porter, but not as we know it, Jim. It's it's not on on the nose. It's bretty. Oh, is it ever? It is quite vinous. Yep. It is almost Flanders red, like on 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 the nose. It's got that sort of vinous character to it. And that Flanders red, I think, comes through when you first have a sip as well. Um, those, those are all the things I've got straight away. I mean, that brett vinous aroma. Um, I actually think it's pretty, it's, when you pour it in the glass, um, it's definitely not a really thick, dark beer. It's almost like a dark, really dark brown beer when you pour it in. It's got a wonderful carbonation ahead on it, though, um, does have to be said. Um, I think we've had this out of the fridge now for about half an hour as well. So I think it's a lovely little temperature. I really like it, but if this is what porters were like back in the day, they are vastly different to how I might have imagined them to be. Absolutely. And you can probably very much understand why there was a lot of on-site blending going on in, in terms of blending the new and the old porters. Yeah, to, definitely. To, to, to give kind of a fresh one. Um, yeah, I mean, there's almost none of what you'd relate to as being a traditional London porter in, in that there's none of the smokiness. There's none of the roasted notes there. It's, it's there, but it's very, it's exceptionally oh. subtle in the background. It's, it's very well hidden by, you know, what I presume would have been in, in days gone by all of the, the wild bacteria that they would have got from the barrels, which is yeah. what they've tried to re recreate with this beer. It's a really complex beer. It's a really good one for us to um, really head through the, the, our birthday show with Steve. I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, and at, at, what is it? Six point three percent. 
Um, it's not actually that too heavy either, is it? I mean, no. it's one that you could very much enjoy slowly. Yeah, and I, well, I mean, we, I think we only bought one each, didn't we? If I remember correctly. Yeah, I only bought we had the one. chance. The best before date on this is 2022. So, to me, I wouldn't mind having another couple of bottles to see what they would be like in 21 and 22, because this is a really complex surprise reporter. It almost feels like one of those that you probably should have bought six of and like people do with Orval, you buy a batch of them and you age them over time and then you try them each year to or, see how they're developing. Or like we do with the vintage ales on occasion, Steve. Yes, yeah. Yeah, but so, very, like you say, very complex beer, a lot going on there. And I, and I think we're going to get a lot of different flavours out of that as, as it begins to, to, to warm in the glass. Um, Stephen, how is the double punk tasting? People are probably going to fall out with me about it, but I, I actually quite like it. Um, I know it's, like I said earlier, it's split opinion. People have berated it, as they like to do with Brewdog, I think, just because it's Brewdog. But I actually really like it um it's quite flat i'm not getting much carbonation from it as it's poured it's it's not got any head on it whatsoever um but i'm getting the the piney pithy resinous to it which i probably actually prefer it more than punk which and again i know people are probably i'm expecting the the hate mail on, on tap i still quite like punk as a pint i think it's can can be if it's served properly and looks after it, it's still a good pint um but I actually quite like that. Um, which I mean, that's all right. We can put your personal email address as links in the show notes for um, <laughs> for yeah, Brewdog but, feedback. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but to be fair, I, I bought a couple of these as well. Uh, I had one a few weeks ago. And apart from the fact it's a shit name, Double Punk. Mm. I mean, that's rubbish, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. I just wrote on my untapped checking what punk should be. Um, it just put me in mind of what punk was when I first had it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I didn't because I I got into sort of craft beer a little bit later than everybody else because I didn't drink. I I don't know what punk used to be like when it first came out, but to me, that that just tastes really nice. I mean, I get a I get a bit of booziness, but not a lot. It's a very drinkable eight percent beer, isn't it? Mm, very, very. Because um, I mean, I like their Mister President, which is obviously their bottle, which is nine point two or something i think, oh, yeah, I think love, so. love mr president um, yeah so that's a bit stronger but that that i that just drinks as easy as a just a normal punk to me but if normal punk tasted like that i'd, I'd drink punk a lot more often see now i've been hesitant to buy that because i've been so disappointed with punk recently but based on the glowing reviews of both of you that there i think i'm probably going to have to buy a couple and give it a try I mean, three quid a can. It's yeah. It's I think there is lot, that. Is uh, uh, like you say, three quid a can. Um, there are worse purchases to make, and you know we've both said in the past, Steve, that you know days gone by, punk would have been one of those beers that if we went into a pub, a bit like Guinness, would have quite happily have a punk, or when we're waiting for the plane at the airport, wet spoons. They always have punk on now. Um, yeah, for me. It doesn't drink the eight percent plus, and it's definitely what punk felt like it was in days gone by. Well, while we're drinking these, our our big beers to finish, so to speak, we should probably get on to this week's question. Opinions, 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 
opinions. Now, before we do, first up in what's a bit of a new feature for, for, for us as we come into our new season, run, whatever it is. I'd say run. Run season. Of, of, of fortnightly shows. What we're going to do, rather than just focus on the single opinions question that, that, that we normally do, we want to at least acknowledge and reference that we've asked other questions as, as well over this time. So we're starting this week um, with what was this weekend's poll, which I'm kind of beginning to regret actually hitting send on, if, if I'm honest, um, with, with some of the conversations that spun out of this one. But the question that we asked was, uh, do you think supermarkets selling craft beer is good for the industry. Uh, we had 964 votes on this one, so a big number of votes. 70.7% uh, of people said yes, 29.3% of people said no. Now, obviously what we're not gonna do is, is, is dive into all of the responses there because on this subject in particular, Martin, we've, we've covered this, I think it's had at least two shows worth of uh, coverage in terms of supermarkets stocking craft beer but it's also something that comes up time and time again that we we tend to reference and yeah. end up having I mean, discussions about not being funny even talking about double punk i mean when we say it's free quid a can free quid a can from tesco or free 50 whatever it might be so it's come up plenty of times i mean it came up when we did the live craft beer hour we've talked about it when we spoke to jager from wildcard it's always going to come up every now and again as part of an ongoing conversation or one of those tangents we have and um you know i'm with steve i i i i won't have to admit i wasn't expecting quite um some of the emotive comments which came out of it um while we always 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 love and appreciate all the comments and engagement we get from everyone we just need people to remember that we're still talking to each other and probably we wouldn't say it in quite the same way if we were sitting there face to face. So when you're tweeting, just imagine if that person was just sitting one meter plus away from you, you know, in a socially distanced manner, would you say it in quite the same way? So just, just be careful about some of the words you use, but genuinely we love all the engagement we get with the polls. It's just that obviously by moving back to every other week, we're not going to be able to give everything an airing all the time. Having said that, some of these polls make a really good reference point when, like when we went back to do it, when we did weekly over the last six months and we were able to draw on the engagement we've had from everyone. And we were able to use those in either new polls or reference back to them. So like I said, we love it when people get engaged on a Sunday night, but we just need people to just play nicely for want of a better phrase. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. And, and if people do want to have a look at all of the discussions that the supermarket poll brought up, there, there, there will be a link in the show notes to that. You can have a click on that and you can have a read through. We are very, very grateful for everybody that got involved in that discussion and made a valid point. Let's move on to the poll that we are actually going to discuss in, in detail this week. So this was, 
are breweries missing out on potential custom by only focusing on one format of social media? So we had 300 votes on this one. 76.7% of people said yes. 23.3% of people said no. This question was originally suggested to us by Paul at UNRCD. So thanks to Paul for suggesting it. But interestingly, Paul never actually responded to this poll and gave us his answer. So um, if, if we know he listens, so if he could actually respond and let us know his thoughts on this one, that'd be great. <laughs> Let's dig into some of the comments that we did have, though. So first up from Ian Hay at II Hay. Yes, and a great question. It's clear from talking to my teenage son that social media platforms are evolving and changing all the time. Where I use Twitter, he uses Snapchat and YouTube, whereas others use TikTok, etc. From Mark Johnson, 100%. Paul's question itself shows the way bubbles work. As a customer, he doesn't use every bit of free advertising available. So as a business, you have to throw your marketing at every single one to encompass as wide an audience as possible. From Patrick Fox at Foxatronic82, absolutely. We have very different kinds of engagement across various channels. Some customers are one channel only, so definitely missing out by only having one, in my opinion. Cast Theology at Cast Theology. Yes, casting a wide net is no bad thing and engagement can potentially bring in DOSH. That said, multiple platforms can be a right chore. My pub has enough on its plate answering Facebook, TripAdvisor, Google, email. We're bar folk, not the PR department. From James at Gammon Barron, yes, but woe betide social media competitions where I have to follow other companies or bloody influencers who I have no interest in whatsoever. And giving prizes to the 1,000th follower, rubbing it in the face of the previous 999. Here ends my TED talk. And from Chris Clough at Nine Squirrels Brew, we have a local pub that has loads of our beers on permanently, but they don't have a Twitter account, so we can't promote them on here. Drives me mad. From JT at Ayla underscore N underscore Mittle. No, some regions tend to use certain platforms over others. For example, Facebook is by far the most popular up here, but very few people use Twitter, so there's no real need for many local businesses to bother with it. Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert. Can you cover all social media at the same time and be effective? Well, by being selective and focusing on the areas used by your target audience, are you not being social media savvy to get the most out of the effort you put in? From Nate at NateDog27, it's not that hard to cross-post on Insta, Facebook and Twitter by using Hootsuite, although breweries need to be mindful to modify each post so that it fits individual platforms. From Beer Nouveau, yes, it takes time money to do multiple platforms right. If a brewery only posts on Insta but also cross-posts it on Twitter with half the text and a link to a page that nags you to log in and or install an app, it shows the brewery doesn't actually give a care about you. They're just ticking a box. You're just a box to them. Far better not to unless you've got the cash to do it properly. And finally, the last couple of comments. Robert Ebsworth at Slippers Robert. It's not just breweries, but pubs too. I only use Twitter, so no use if pubs put current beer lists on Facebook or Instagram. From Chris Hall at Chris Hall Beer, breweries do well to remember that not only are their customers more or less active on certain channels, but also their trade customers who are also active at different times and different days. I think we've got a great cross-section of comments there from, from people who are consumers, from people who are businesses, from people who actually run social media for, for breweries as well. 
and it's it seems to be an absolute minefield this one doesn't it it's an interesting one um, but before i give my view now i remember listening to one of your shows Stephen, where you said it was the engagement you were getting on instagram that sort of moved you forward i've kind of got a um experience on both sides of this now because from my own blogging point of view but i also run the social media for the shop that i now also work in so i didn't mention it earlier but i've started working in yorkshire craft beards a bottle shop local to me and i've taken over their social channels in facebook instagram twitter um so yeah so as i said earlier i started on twitter then shifted to instagram um just to just to try it out mainly and my reception and sort of follower numbers just skyrocketed on instagram as opposed to twitter now whether that says more about my photography skills as opposed to my ability to to compose a good tweet or not i have i have no idea but i think it's kind of finding your audience almost so i think sort of i think as we've had in the as you've had in the responses there that certain demographics people in the country use different social media channels and profiles so I, I find it weird. I don't know why it is in terms of why Instagram has taken off more than than my Twitter. Um, whether it's because Instagram is the sort of the popular medium at the moment. Um, it seems to be the sort of the platform almost to use. For There's a lot of sort of, I hate using this word and I don't like calling myself on these, but influencers on Instagram um, that get a lot of attention. But for you guys, obviously you guys are predominantly Twitter. Mm. which for the likes of opinions to ask questions, polls, text heavy subjects and debates where you can respond to these sort of things. Twitter is a perfect platform for that. Whereas Instagram obviously is more picture based. Um, polls can only be done on stories as opposed to actual tweets. Um, the actual organization of Instagram as well is not chronological as you can have on Twitter. It's just a, an algorithm that dictates Instagram. So in terms of your likes, engagements, et cetera, et cetera, whereas Twitter, you can set it to chronological. So obviously that helps as well. Um, but for the shop from that's from my sort of my own blogging perspective, but from the shop's perspective, I link Instagram and Facebook because it's easy because obviously it's the same company because Facebook yeah. on Instagram. So if you post a picture on Instagram, it goes to Facebook and with all the hashtags, links, etc., etc. But for Twitter, I do a separate tweet for that. I don't just copy and paste. I try and do something different because I've had people come in the shop that say, I don't have Facebook, I don't have Instagram, but I have Twitter. So if I, because I predominantly use Instagram now is if I post latest beers on Instagram, there's people that come in the shop that are missing out on the latest beers that have come in because they don't use it. So obviously, like you've said, there's there's people in there that have comment saying it's it's back throwing your net out as far as you can get to obviously come in. Um, and I think it was Bean of O that said that obviously if you just post from Instagram direct to Twitter, you just get half a body of text and no image. That's pointless because that serves no purpose to anybody on Instagram whatsoever because there's no um, there's almost no subject or there's no relevance and some text about nothing because there's no picture so it is a lot of time it's a lot of effort um you know because it's you know not always me or anything but posting on social media is not just a oh you do is post a picture and type some text or whatever it, it there's more to it than that obviously because you're trying to get a greater reach a greater engagement you're trying to reach other people and constantly trying to reach new people and take pictures that appeal to people write posts that appeal to people it takes time to do that and i I think I'd voted on it, but not responded to this poll, but a hundred percent. Yes. Breweries are missing out by not making the most of each channel, 
no, it's not easy, but if it even leads to one new custom being found on one new platform, that's a customer that you otherwise wouldn't have because you've just negated one certain social media platform. I think it's quite interesting what you said, because it's not just breweries, it's breweries, bottle shops, tap rooms, pubs. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Put, uh, and like you say, I, I, and obviously going back to what Cast Theology said, you know, I have a lot to do, but we're not the PR department. And I get that. But mm. the flip side of that these days is that there's an expectation, I think, yeah. these days. And also going back to the, the tweet about, oh, we put loads of, this pub has loads of our beers on, but we can never tell anyone about it. Mm. And even when I've, occasionally, and I think the Belgian brewers are probably the, the worst for this, is that I will have a lovely Belgian beer, I want to tweet about it, but I can never tag them in because they don't literally do not have a Twitter page. Mm. It's not even that they don't post on it. They just don't have one. And you think, yeah. why would you not do that? I know that I know about you, but other people might not. And I, I do find it very frustrating. So I know that me and Steve are very Twitter heavy. I also just find it the simplest to use as well. And the simplest to follow and following a thread from other people but yeah, if we were, I don't know, say we were a business, say this podcast was a business and we actually made anything out of it um, other than people unhappy for us uh, be talking every now and again and spending two hours chatting about stuff, <laughs> I would, we would be using everything. Yeah, We would be using every avenue to make sure that people knew about the podcast, wouldn't we, Steve? Mm. Well, you, you have to, yeah. And I think, I, th I think for us, like you say, we, like, like Stephen pointed out at the beginning, what he said there, we, we do essentially live in, in in the twitter space that's where that's where we do our business as as, as the opinions podcast it's, it's where i as the beer o'clock show account engage with friends and people in the community and then the next circle of people outside of that but it's also where we engage our listeners it's where we get the content for our show it's 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 where everything happens for us we're we're on facebook I don't know why we're on nothing. Facebook. We get we get no engagement on Facebook. All it all it is is it's another five minutes of my life that I have to spend scheduling a post to put on Facebook. We get a few likes, we get a few shares. We nobody comments, and and this it's isn't. It's for people we know. It anyway. is. It is, and this isn't a call for our listeners to start commenting on Facebook <laughs> because I know I know the last time I mentioned it, a few people commented on Facebook and said, "Oh, well, you wanted engagement on Facebook." No, no, I, d I don't want engagement on Facebook. We're, we're on Facebook because we have to be on Facebook. You, you, you have to be there. You, you simply do. As far as Instagram's concerned, we've left that. Uh, our account is still there but it's inactive. And, and the only reason the account is still there because we know that some breweries and some PR companies will contact us through Instagram. But it, it begs the question, why are they bothering contacting us through Instagram? Because they've clearly not looked through our feed where there's a post that says, we've left here, find us on Twitter. Because if, if they want us to promote their beers, they're not going to get any promotion on Instagram because we're not, we're not on there. <laughs> we're, we're just, we're just not, we're, we're on Facebook and Twitter. That's where we are. And, and I think a couple of times we've tried to reignite our Instagram account and we've not been able to trigger the algorithm. I don't know if it's because we're not posting pictures of custard in glass boots 
which seems to be the thing that, that gets all the likes. Instagram just isn't for us. It's, it's not working for us. It doesn't work for us. And as Martin said right at the outset, all, all we get when we do post stuff in there is, is people that chat to us on Twitter just liking stuff on Instagram. So, well, actually, we might as well just stay in the space where we're most active. Yeah, 100%. And, and like you said, in, there's, again, it's not a woe is me thing and it's not a, but Instagram, if, if you want to gain a bit of traction on Instagram, there's more to it than just putting a picture on. Because obviously, like you say, you need to trigger that algorithm. You need the right hashtags. You need to look into those hashtags of how often are they used, how many people follow them, who else uses them. Picture's got to be good. And then you've got to post at right time for your user base. So for like my profile, most of my people who follow me are active at six o'clock. That used to be nine o'clock at night. So obviously that constantly changes depending on what data gets pulled through. It's just, you constantly have to like, and you have to be a post every day. Like if it, if Instagram, if you're not posting every day at those times, it's not going to get visible. You're not going to make the algorithm. You're not going to get the likes, the shares, the followers, the content. Blah, blah. So it is a lot of work for the sake of just putting a picture on Instagram. Whereas obviously like you guys, obviously, whereas you know, if you put a tweet out for opinions, regardless of the time, regardless of the content, no hashtags or very limited hashtags, you'll get the responses that you're after because that's your audience. Whereas if you want the audience on Instagram, there's almost, it feels like there's double or triple the work to do that as opposed to just, this is our question, this is our poll, answer it and we'll talk about it if you get what I mean. So there's there's like each platform is has to be treated as an individual thing. And you've got to understand them. Like, like you say, you've, yeah. got, you've got to put the time in to understand them. And, you know, it's at the end of the day, this is still a hobby for us. And yes, we all, we, we all spend time on social media. You know, we're all on Twitter. I'm fairly active on Twitter. And, but I can't, I can't be that active across three platforms. I just simply mm-hmm. can't do it because it, it's not my day job. If it was my day job, yes, I'm being paid to do that. Yeah. I'm not actually being paid to do that. I, I, I do. I'm on Twitter and I engage with people on Twitter because I enjoy doing that. It's 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 socialising for me. That's that's how I socialise. But I am still I am I am still surprised though if you're a business these days that you don't try to maximise all of them. Oh yeah, and the, the thing that frustrates me the thing that frustrates me the most these days is 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 businesses that are clearly posting to Twitter from Instagram where it's text 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 and then it's a link to Instagram. Mm. No, as Steve said, as, as a customer, I don't use Instagram. So I'm not going to click on that link to look through to see the rest of what you're telling me about. Take the time to actually formulate a tweet that includes a link and a picture and less text so Mm. I can get what I want on my platform of choice so that I don't have to... It's Essentially, what they're trying to do is push you across to their platform of choice. And that's not... You shouldn't be pushing your customers that way. You should be accepting that your customers use different methods like you say it's almost like like again like being about it's almost laziness it's, it's almost laziness to do that and like you say for and, and i can get why because like you said i think you said earlier that it's it's time it's effort but there's almost an expectation there from from consumers now that you are meant to be active on every single channel and then if they send you a message or tweet you or anything that you're expected to respond like that almost instantly you know and and if it is somebody that just runs the Instagram account that's behind a bar at a tap room, for example, or 
a marketing person for a brewery, you know, they don't always have the answer straight away. And if you're getting constant messages, 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 tweets, 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 this, whatever, from three or four different channels, it does become, a, it is a job, you know, running social media channels is a job, you know, and that's not my primary role at my, at, at Yorkshire Craft Beer, as I'm there to sell beer in the shop and I run it. But if somebody sends us a message at half nine, 10 o'clock at night, I respond to it straight away because people expect you to do that. But it's, you know, from a business, I, I agree with you, Martin, from a business perspective, 100%, yes, they should be maximizing every possible revenue stream they should be. But on our ground level, hobbyist, blogger, whatever, you need to find your audience and just stick to that audience. That's it. Twitter for us then, Steve. That's it. Absolutely, yeah. Even it becomes pen and parchment. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's where we are. It, it's a great question and it's it's a discussion that I'm, I'm sure will continue and and if people want to continue to get involved in that use the hashtag opinions and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show let us know write it down let us know write it down let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness write it down so first up from craig a time lord to the stars at CA Garvey. Some interesting comments on beer festivals, including you're not going to be in control of someone barging into you as you queue for a beer. I think this was in reference to the recent show that we did with the Irish beer snobs, where we was talking about beer festivals. I'm really yeah. struggling to see how anyone can consider a beer festival in the current climate as a good idea. I've got to say, I have to agree. And it would seem as though the lack of people buying tickets through <laughs> London sessions would also agree. From Ronnie Bean at Ronnie Bean, living by myself and working from home during the high days of lockdown, this weekly podcast was often the only friendly voices I heard. Now we're in hokey-cokey lockdown. I do meet more people, but listening to the show is still an essential part of my routine. Cheers, guys. You're very welcome, Ron. Thanks for those kind words. Yeah, thanks, Ron. That actually means quite a lot. And also, Craig, time all to the stars. Great Twitter handle, by the way. From Paul at UNRCD. Great podcast today. Going to miss the weekly pods, but completely understand why. Number one fan, Sean at Uncrulia. In answer to what happened for Cameron to change its mind, I think I'm right in saying that they had a meeting with Siva shortly before that change in policy. Uh, from Pete at Hops and Hoops, top show as ever. And thanks for reminding me about that excellent song that I was first introduced to, to when you were on Rhythm and Brews. I think Pete's referring to the... Uh, Nathaniel Rateliff, Son yeah. of a Bitch song, which I included as the uh, outro to last week's show. Uh, from Simon Dewhurst at Simon Sloth, great snippet as always, guys. Steve's top tip about asking for Guinness first is something that I stupidly hadn't considered before, but will now. Every day's a school day on opinions. And staying on a similar theme, from Richard Taylor at Rich Taylor, 1608. Just finished this week's snippet. On behalf of all bar staff around the world, thank you for the Guinness tip. Also, thanks to you and Martin for my birthday beers. Next time you're both in the big, I'll get the first round. Oh, cheers. Cheers, Rich. Appreciate that. Also from Rich. Idea for your beer. Beer o'clock show beer brews an imperial chocolate orange style, in brackets, 11.4%. Very specific, Rich. Thank very you. specific, yeah. Called beer o'clock work orange. Yeah, that's got to go badly after 11.4% stout. With the great brewery, Brew Your Beer. Well, frankly, I'm disappointed Lee hasn't already been in touch to, to, to start <laughs> the, the wheels moving on that one because that sounds perfect. 
Yeah, but the brew team have heard us and they've gone, no, no, no. Yeah, no, no, we don't want those two in the brewery, not ever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, love, love, love the bitter and English com- comments this week. Brilliant. Yeah, some, some, some great comments. And also on that theme of um, potentially brewing beers, we did have a beer o'clock brewing got in touch and, and offered us to come over and brew with them over in Colchester, which I think we're in the process of actually putting together because I think we could, we could come up with a, a fairly obvious collab there, don't you think? I think we could do. So, yeah, our people are talking to their people and uh, watch this space. Just one question this week. Questions, questions, fill my head. And it's again from Richard Taylor at Rich Taylor 1608 uh, Do you prefer table service or are you missing a good old bar service? Sorry if already discussed. I think we may have already briefly touched on this, but as an outright question, um, Stephen, thoughts on this? Um, f- for me, I mean, obviously, it, kind of as, as bad as this whole COVID coronavirus thing has been, for the world one of the few takeaways that i've actually come from this is i i actually quite like table service um i i don't like the whole queuing at a bar because there's no queue system people are just stood in a crowd and then you have to fight your way to the bar and almost no they were here before me i was here before them i need to get in before them then you don't get in before them and you just get annoyed and you get ass on so Table service for me, I actually quite like. Um, and I was in North Bar yesterday um, in Leeds. And there, as, as you guys know, the North Bar is small. Yeah. Um, but, they, but they run a, bar, uh, a table service anyway. You know, they've generally speaking, have got bar staff milling around and asking to take, take orders at the table. And that's just all they do now. And I like that. You know, I'd, you lose the, the personal touch of ordering it by app as opposed to them coming out and asking you what you want and then obviously asking for recommendations, etc. So that part of it, obviously, you lose the human interaction of it. And obviously in this these times, interaction between people is what you're trying to get back because that's what we're missing. But the fact that, and not belittling it, but the fact that I can sit at my table, not have to get up and someone can bring me a beer, I actually quite like that. I am 100% with you on, on that, Stephen. There, there are two reasons for that. One, I'm inherently lazy. And two, <laughs> I really dislike people. So table <laughs> service for me is, is absolutely perfect. Martin? Generally, I'm pretty much in the same ballpark. I mean, I've always liked it when I go to mainland Europe. You know, let's take Belgium as a typical example where generally you don't order beers at the bar and someone comes and brings them to you. And it's really quite nice. You have a beer menu. Um, I suppose the only thing, and referencing back to what you just said, Stephen, I suppose for, for those people who's uh, maybe just starting a bit of a beer journey, if you're turning up somewhere and it's via an app, you may bypass a lot of really good beers because you really can't tell what they're like. Mm. And maybe without that interaction, that recommendation, even that taster, you may not find out about it. But I'm just talking about me personally. Um, while I like people a bit more than Steve, um, I still, I am quite happy to sit down and either order via an app or someone come and take my order. Um, the only thing I would say is that if you're going to have table service, you need, the staff need to be ready to do table service. Mm. And also you, the, the menus need to be up to date as, as well. Yes. This, this is what I've found because when I think I referenced it on last week's show, when we went to the Three Wise Monkeys in Colchester, their app, which is actually a, a very good app, only has what is essentially 
their core beers on it and the beers that they know they're going to have stocked. Now, the two beers that I spoke about on last week's show, the Colonel and the, the White Hag beers, weren't on the app. I only knew they were on the bar because I saw them on the board behind the bar as I came in. They weren't on the menus on the table. They weren't on the app. And in fact, when we spoke to the server, he didn't even know they had the White Hag beer on. It was only because I had seen it. So yes, you've got to make sure that your app's up to date, your menus are up to date, and your staff are up to date as, as well, because otherwise you're going to miss out on selling those special beers to people that might have that moment that are like, wow, that is a fantastic beer. I want to drink more beer from that brewery. Yeah, and agreed. But I also think there's a, completely agree with you, but I think there's a, that places are still getting used to it. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not criticising yeah. anybody for for still but learning. I agree completely. If you're going to do it, go for it. Do it properly. Be on it. Bit like the social media. Keep the main, whether you use the app, whether you use the untapped menus, whatever it might be, keep them up to date. I think uh, Beers Around Frontiers referenced it recently about Twisted Barrel. Literally, as soon as a beer came off, it was off the menu. When a beer came on, it was on the menu on the app. That's the way to do it. It's a little bit of extra work, but you it, people will let other people know about it and you'll start to get really good engagement about what beers you've got. And also, it's a lovely way of checking before you get somewhere as well. Yeah, to see what they've got and, and to make it worth that visit, yeah. maybe that extra effort you're going to make to visit a place because they have a particular beer on. Yeah, but it'd be interesting, maybe it'd be interesting to see how this question lands if and when, fingers crossed, you know, things start to improve. And I'm thinking 20, no, next year, if things start to improve, if people still have the same feelings about table service, when the options may be widened again. Yeah, great question by Rich. Uh, and, and I'd encourage our listeners, let us know. Let us know what you think about table service as, as well. Use the hashtag opinions and keep your views coming in. Final thoughts on the beers that are in our glass. Martin, I know you and I are still... Uh, quite pleasantly working our way through the Obadiah poundage. Um, Stephen, let's go to you first on, on, on your beer. How are you enjoying that? Yeah, so I've still not finished it yet because I've been trying to be steady with it because it's 8.2% and it doesn't drink all at 8.2%. But it, it's, like I said earlier, it's got, it looks like it's got no carbonation to it whatsoever. Um, at now, it's got no head to it remaining at all. There's no bubbles in it, but I'm still really liking it. And it's got a bit more bitter as it's gone as it's gone down, um, which, as I as I like West Coast IPAs as my predominant style, I quite like that bitterness. Um, that's what I look for in many beers. And yeah, I'm I'm still really really enjoying it. And if it wasn't as strong as it actually is, I I would be more inclined to drink that as a sort of a fridge filler as opposed to standard punk. That's a hell of a fridge filler. Oh yeah, hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> But maybe as a fridge filler, if it was a smaller can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a 440, so it's 440, so it's a lot of beer and a lot of baby V. Mm. So as we spoke about it before, Steve, maybe, I know that people keep talking about these 440 cans, and I love the look of 440 cans, but maybe you would be tempted to have two of the double punk if they were 330s. But when you're having two of them, Another, you're only 100 millilitres or shy of a litre. Yeah, I still don't get how low ABV equals 330 mil, high ABV equals 440. 
it still seems the wrong way round for me. Mm. Yeah, it's bonkers. Yeah, I get it marketing wise. Don't get me wrong, I do get it marketing wise, but yeah, sometimes a few of those beers in the three thirties might not be badly received. So, Martin, what's your um, final thoughts on the Obadiah poundage? Bloody loving it. As a birthday celebration beer, it was a good choice by us. What a way to celebrate four years, though, with, with, with this beer. It's going down really well, isn't it? Yeah, that road and back comparison you made works really well as a, as, a, as a point. If people want to know where we're coming from, the road and back is a really good way of describing it. And um, I actually, I, I, you know, if you, I, I do wish I had another bottle or two to see how it goes. Me, me too. Starting to regret that. Yeah. I mean, I've got to say, it's probably one of the most refreshing porters I've, I've ever had because of, because of that Bretty Vinius character that it's got to it. Um, but it has got such a subtle roasted. There are some ever so slight hints of dark chocolate coming in on the finish that are balancing it all out really nicely. But it's been an absolute delight to drink. It really has. Yeah, it's a great, it's a, you know, so what do you say? It's Wimbledon and Goose Island with yeah. the input from Ron Pattinson. If you can get hold of a bottle, I'd reckon, I'd recommend doing it. If you've got a couple of bottles, I'd crack open one soon and then see what the other one's like in another year or so. Absolutely, yeah. That's, that's, that's the way to do it, is, is drink one now and then see how it, how it ages. While we just finish this off, um, Stephen, where can people find you on, on the internet? I know you've mentioned it uh, a few times. You're mostly on Instagram, but where can people find you and the podcast? Yeah, so my Twitter and Instagram handles are, are both the same, which is annoying because I'm that annoying person that's got underscores in their name. Um, so the handle is at points underscore of underscore brew, just because somebody somewhere that doesn't use either anymore has at points of brew on both and their accounts have been dormant for about three years, which is really, really annoying. So, But if you search Point to Brew in Twitter or Instagram or wherever, you, you should find me. Also, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, anything like that. If you search Point to Brew podcast, um, you should find me on there as well. Well, we'll make it nice and easy for people to find you. We'll put links in the show notes to, to all of your various accounts so they can go along and find you. And, and please, folks, do give, give Stephen's Points Brew podcast a listen and let us, and obviously let Stephen know what you, you think of it as, as well. Martin, what have we got coming up in two weeks' time? That's weird saying yes, that. In two weeks. <laughs> it is very weird. that We haven't said two weeks' time since uh, late February, early March, I think. We've got some more beers from Neptune Brewery. They were very kind enough to send us, as well as the one we had today, um, a few others. And I think between us, we'll probably get to sample two to three of them between us on the next show. And also, we're going to be discussing how breweries need to keep up with the times to attract attention. And uh, we did that. We've had some good, uh, some good engagement on that one as well. Yep, looking forward to discussing that and drinking those beers. Uh, Stephen, thank you very much for giving up your time this evening and joining us and enjoying some beers with us. Good luck with the podcast. I hope it continues to go from strength to strength. Martin, I will chat to you in two weeks' time. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you very much. I slipped away into a moment in time Because it was never mine